0: Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. It's a year since I've been here and uh, so it's not like I know a lot of you well or um, but it's a, a great privilege to be asked to come along and meet you again and people who don't know me and speak with you and share some of the stuff that I've learned along the way. And I'm Ken, as, as James has rightly said. That's my wife Katrina. We've been together about 40 years. I'll take a guess at that, I think. It's a long time. Nathan, the drummer. That's his wife, Kylie. She's our worship leader. So it's a great experience for them to come along and see how, because you know, Nathan says they do it very differently here. Um, So there's so much he can learn just by coming here. Because we're saying, get the good stuff here and bring it back with you. (laughs) So there's lots we learn by coming here into a place that's you know highly significant to Aberdeen, and we're just starting out. We haven't quite been open a year yet. I'll maybe just quickly fill you in a bit of background about some of it without boring you too much. And Some of you might have heard, we've had a bit of the behind-the-scenes stuff go on, a lot of intense stuff there, which um, I won't go into. But God, t- when he told us to take this church, it was basically a big factory, a printing factory. And it was a mess. It was horrible. And... Um, and we had to knock down, I don't know how many walls, 30 walls. And, and, and we took this on and we made it clear to people when we came from the old church that a lot of you will leave, but we've still got to do what God says. Some of you won't make it with us Some of you won't be able to catch the vision of this. Some of you will just look and say, I ain't doing that amount of work. And, and that, that's what happened. And we said, but that's good. You know, okay, it's, it's not the journey for you. But we were left with about 25 people. Amazing people who who gave up eighteen months to build this church and um, and with a lot of opposition, the government blocked us, legally blocked us, and we had to take them to court. we weren 't allowed worship for eighteen months at all inside the building, even though we were still doing church sitting in this oil slick floor and everything, and, <laughs> but we had to do it on a Wednesday night, and the only thing we could do was preach and then you know interact and try to prepare for what was ahead and it was a long, difficult road and it, we had no tradesmen in it and, and they were about to rewire the equivalent of about 10 houses and put central heating into about, I don't know how many houses it would have been in because there was nothing in it and we had to build three bathrooms in it and there wasn't even sewage pipes where the bathrooms were going in. We're talking about females coming in who are like computer programmers and all of that and going, that's what I have to do. And going, yep, you need to learn how to do this. and And... and, and so a lot of what went on with it, it was very open to motivation going down, very open to discouragement, and so I think I'm going to talk about how God started this with us and, and able to help us to overcome all of that, because we all have discouragement. When it comes at time and difficulties to overcome. you have all been through a lot of stuff. You know, Kevin tells me stories about this place, and <laughs> I'm not saying we're the only ones that face difficulties. <laughs> You know, he tells me things. like, oh my God, yours is worse than ours. <laughs> <laughs> but he'll always attach to it. Just don't let it bother you, Ken. Don't let it bother you. Focus on the good. There's great people. Keep your focus on all that's good and just leave all that other stuff that's going on over there. So, the way that... Um, it's a very simple message. I'm going to talk about time. And um, some of you might say, well, I'm going to sleep now. But, <laughs> but time is, is, is such an important issue because... You don't get any more of it, and sometimes we don't place enough value on time because once you've spent it, you don't get that back. If you if you you've spent a day, you not and you made a a mess of that day or you wasted that day, you don't get it back at the end and go, "What about all the ones I've wasted?" And you can miss out on a lot of life because we don't we don't get to do time properly. And um, so I've got one one scripture only, and it's Psalms ninety. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And it's nothing about counting your days, like 365 times that so you know how many days you're living. It's numbering your days in, in a way of taking them seriously and being able to look at your days and saying, what does I have to do today? What does what it have to try and accomplish today in relation to how will this affect me in a month's time? How will this affect me in six months' time? And numbering your days with a seriousness about it that you may gain a heart of wisdom in other words if you don't get taught how to number your days you ain't going to get the second bit and we all want this heart of wisdom but what God is saying is you've got to be able to do this bit first that you can gain a heart of wisdom because all of a sudden all your waking hours are becoming more more alert to you more aware to you more intentional to you and that automatically brings you a heart of wisdom because you're seeing what you're doing and why you do it because, <clears throat> you know, too often we don't question life enough. I'm a great believer in questioning things and going, why do I do what I do all day? Why do I do that? What makes me live life this particular way? Because if we don't question it, we don't find out and we just keep doing it. And, you know, and the, the Bible talks about length of days and long life as two different things. So it reiterates that in a number of places that Length of days and long life isn't the same thing. And being able to look at time through a different different filter is is how we began this. And and the way that that we brought it about was we called it Living in the Dash because I felt I had to connect with the, the level of work that I could see ahead and what God was saying to me about the church. I thought, this is so difficult for normal people to take on. That we had to be able to bring such an enormous amount of purpose into their life that their focus would be on that and never the problem. So, living in the dash was... I'm definitely going to fall over this thing. Let, 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 me, let me move a bit. I've done that up the road, fallen over before. So, feel free to laugh if I do. I ain't bothered. <laughs> but, um, living in the dash is like your tombstone. You know, you get born in 1940, dead, 2040, and there's a dash in the middle. And it's chiselled out. <coughs> and... So the, the thinking behind it is you're chiselling out this dash every day. And when you look at it, and it is chiselling it out, because it's hard work. You know, choosing the life that you choose is difficult, and, and, and it is hard work. Destiny isn't something that you find. It is something that you literally have to chisel out. It doesn't, It's not something that's lost, and you find it one day. You go, oh, there, it's there, and that, that's what I have to do. You chisel it out over a long period of time. So you're chiselling out this dash, which can look just like, you know, on your headstone, or oh, that's it. But when you zoom in on that, you see everything you've done in that dash. All the seasons of your life, all the decisions that you've made are all inside that little thing. And, and when you get your time to be like that, you go, what do I want to put in that? What do I want to fill that with? Because <clears throat> nobody really sees it. You know, to a lot of people, you're probably, that's the guy that goes to church. You know, in the street, you're the woman that goes to church. That's kind of all they know about you. But within the dash, you, you've knocked your pan in. You've done so much work, you know, yous are all people that's chosen to do life very differently. You've chosen to try and live an exceptional life, a purposeful life, a servant life, a life of personal growth, a, a life where you've got a set of values every day that you're committed to. And Jesus that is your ultimate commitment. You've chosen all of that, but to other people, they may not see all of that, but you're chiselling all of that into this dash every day because you're taking your life more seriously. And and being able to recognise that we only have so many days. And when you think that way, each day becomes more valuable to you. It's much easier to see it with um, money. You know, God kind of gives you a little bit of money and a little bit of time. We don't all get the same. Some people have more money, some people get more time and so on. He goes, let's see what you do with these. And we get the money one really easily. We see that we can waste money. But we tend not to look at wasting time so much. And, and all the language that goes with time, waste time, I'm killing time, I'm spending time, I'm idling time. And all these things that we do with it is wasting it. But we wouldn't tend not to do that with money. Because we're very much more aware of the consequences if we do that with money. If I waste money, the consequences are pretty immediate. Yeah. So therefore you're more, you're more alert, more aware to that fact. <clears throat> when you spend too much money, the consequences come at the end of the month. And you, the mail comes in, you go, I'm not opening that for three weeks. <laughs> you realise I've made mistakes here with the money side of it, but likewise, time is more valuable than money because you can get more money, but you can't get more time. Yeah. So what you do with your time is, is so critical to chiselling out this dash and learning how to, let's oh, know there now, Number <laughs> number your days so you can gain a heart of wisdom. It's attached to a really strong promise, getting this right. And time hates to be questioned. It hates it. It hates to be pressurised. You all know that. Time loves routines. And time loves strong habits. And in order to, to, to get this right, God's got to try and disrupt that for you. He's got to try and disrupt your routines and disrupt your habits. And we hate all of that as well. And when one of the things that um, I'll just paraphrase Jesus if, in a minute. When Jesus had just looked at him, he just taught in the book of Mark, talk, in the early days of, of, of his ministry, he was just starting out, and he taught for ages and taught all this amazing stuff and people were gobsmacked by it and, and really challenged by it, going, what was going on here? And then the next day, it says Jesus was up before it was light, he was up when it was dark and he was away praying and, and the disciples were looking for him everywhere. And they couldn't find him. And eventually they came across him. So Jesus was already using his time differently. When they're all still sleeping, he's up and he's doing something. Excuse me, but. When they found him, he said, all the, the crowds are all down here again. All the people are thronging and waiting to see you. And Jesus said, for this purpose I have come, I'm going that way. That's, that's being able to see, so purposeful with his time. Because. Every day in life for us, what's urgent shouts the most. And what's urgent shouts the loudest at you. and But what's important has a quiet voice. And Jesus is able to take what's important and say, this is the purpose that I'm here for. I get it. There's loads of people there. They all want to hear me. It'd be great. I could go and do that again and all of that. But there's a purpose here. And the importance of the purpose is where I choose to set my time on that. And being able to to, to analyse your purpose you'll change your time what you do with it. Because <clears throat> we don't really value the time. If you don't value yourself, you won't value your time. And if you don't value your time, you won't value what you do with your time. So firstly, you have to value you. Please value, hey, I'm here for a reason. And I have a purpose. The value's in you. You will now start to value time differently. And then you will change what you do with your time. But, but because of what I'm saying about trying to question a lot of this and come back and... And look at the simplicity of it all. It's not a deep message, this. You know, the Bible often, when we we read it and we look at it, we we go looking for exotic things in it too much. And not just, you know, what am I not applying deeply enough as I read it? What is all the things that I know that are in this and I'm not applying enough and I'm not taking enough? Yeah, I know that, but I am so busy. A lot of people are proud of how busy they are. I'm just so busy. I would do that, but I'm so busy as if it's something to boast about. It's something to question. Because I think when people are so busy and people say, I don't have the time, it's really just saying, I'm too lazy to think about this. I'm too lazy to sit down and actually question my life and go, what am I doing with it? And question deeper, why, why do I have no time to do the things? I, I feel desires in my heart to, to go and do things, but I don't have the time. That's the wrong questions that you're asking. And Jesus simplified all of this. You know, God was complicated in in the Old Testament, very complicated. And Jesus just comes along pressed to simplify. This is it. He simplified all of God and took ordinary, normal people and taught them ordinary, normal stuff, life changing stuff. And sometimes we stop looking for that. And this is one of these things that that this time thing totally changed our church and everybody in it. You know, if you were to talk to them after it, they'll say their life is like 400% different because of this. It is so impactful but so simple but so missable because we often read the Bible and we're looking for giant pandas which are uncommon and we should be looking for rabbits and birds and all that. It's very simple things because it's basically living a life of uncommon application of common truth. And and, and I, I don't say that lightly because that is really what we do as Christians. It is an uncommon application of common truth. We know way more than we actually apply to our lives. And while that being true, when you open the word of God and you start to look at simple things like time and you understand time and you look at time slightly differently, you begin to become more purposeful. And um, one of the greatest things in it is is how the disciples were flawed, messy, mistake-ridden people. And you go, that's me. And you go, yeah, you qualify for this life. if you don't think like that and you you don't begin from that point of these guys made loads of mistakes, these guys were flawed from the start, you'll exclude yourself from this life. And you'll look at other people and you'll think, well, they can do all of that, I can't. Because you're already excluding yourself because of your flaws. We've all got them. We've all got these huge weaknesses. We've all got these things wrong. And God says, you know what, that's okay. That's okay, we can still do this together. We can still work together to accomplish the things. Please look at the desires of your heart check the desires of your heart and go, would it really make time to look at what do I feel in here? What do I sense in here that I would love to do? And take it and then if you see if you don't write that down, it's gone by tomorrow because it's in with we're having mince for tea. <laughs> it's just muddled into a big mush in your head with all the other information. If we don't get the desires of our hearts because they come from God. If you're coming in here, you're delighting yourself in the Lord. He's giving you desires in your heart but maybe you're not looking at them And maybe, you know, you go, I I thought of that once. How many times do you say that? Write it down and look at it the next day and go, I I am sensing this. How how could I accomplish that? How could that happen? And don't exclude yourself from it. Don't exclude yourself by your ordinariness. That's not anything detrimental, I'm saying to you all. But we tend to do that. We tend to think that we're we're one of the people, and that's the exclusive lot, that can go and do all these things. In God's eyes, we can all do this. And, you know, when Jesus <clears throat> sent the disciples out, and it looks pretty cruel at first, and he goes, right, don't take a change of clothes, don't take shoes, don't take any money, don't take any food, don't take anything to lean on, and you're going out here as sheep among wolves, see? And you kind of, <laughs> I don't know how I would feel, you know, and you go, are you serious here? <laughs> but when you look at why he did that, he took away the resources they would trust in. He took away the resources they would tend to lean against. And he says, you need to go out and and find out how to become resourceful and learn how to become more resourceful with what you have and who's around you and the relationships around you and what you actually have. And the greatest resource we all have is time. Time is our greatest resource. And so God takes away a lot of our props first and then he sends you to do something. He sends you out to accomplish things to say you need to learn how to become more resourceful together with people. And the desires that you feel to do things, the resources are there. I ain't going to provide them so that you miss the opportunity. I want you to start to think differently. The resources are there, they're in you, they're in you, they're in you. And you can accomplish things that you maybe just stop and go, I couldn't do that. But if you can change the way you think about this... And realize God is saying to you that you are so resourceful and look at your time differently. And if you can find the time, then when the opportunity comes along, you'll take it. Too often there's opportunities for great things in life come along and we miss them. Because we've got already got a prefix mindset of I am so busy. I am too busy for this. And the age we're in, you know, it's the most distracted age in history. It's, you know, distraction is a multi-billion dollar industry and You've probably all got it in your hand, in your bag, and you go home and there's tablets and computers everywhere where companies are spending a fortune to grab your attention. To grab your attention for things that really is just giving you a lazy brain. And stopping you thinking about what's important and what's inside your heart and spending time to look at that and go, wow, I need to be still, hear what God is saying, right? Stop the distraction. Stop the distraction, separate from some of that because... Everything is out to get your attention. If it gets your attention, they start to control you. They start to tell you how to shop. They start to tell you how to think. And they just take up your time. And if you, if you were to analyse your time from the level of distraction, which is just the parable of the sower, the cares of life, deceitfulness, the of riches and other things entering in, choke the word. And if you look at that, you would be astounded if you compound that over a long period of time, how much time you could create and how much time you could use differently. And how much time you could utilize in a new way, just by looking at your time differently. There's a thing that we did in the in the church. I was noticing, you know, I would have lists of terrible chores to be done and stuff. And they would come in after their work and things like that to do it. And I was noticing people would select the ones they naturally liked. And I was looking at all of these horrible jobs are getting left behind here. Nobody's going to these. So we brought this thing thing in called eat the frog, where every time you come into the building, and and I I just went over and over, have you ate the frog yet, put that down, eat the frog, which meant go and do the thing that you don't want to do first. And the the knock-on effect of that in productivity was incredible, wasn't it? Eat the frog, you look at it and you go, I don't want to go and do that. But when you did that, there's a psychological thing happens when you you utilise your time to do the thing that you procrastinate on and the thing that you put off. Because if you put enough of these off, all of a sudden you've got a lot of openness around your life. You've got a lot of incompleteness around your life. And that is like walking my parachute. It starts to slow you down and you don't know what's happening. Your, life, oh, your whole life starts to slow down because you've got open-endedness around. Things that you've verbally committed to but you've not finished. Things, you, Words that you've spoken. And your heart starts to get trained to say, we don't believe everything we say anymore. So you go to the greater things of God with all of your heart, and your heart goes, we don't believe that because of this and this and this and this. That are all sitting there that you haven't completed and you haven't used your time wisely, so you ain't getting this heart of wisdom. Because of the drag on your life. And then we wonder why a lot of things in the kingdom of God aren't functioning. It does just come down to uh, the simplicity of all of this. And um, So eat the frog. Have a look at what it could be. And when the guys started to come in. And it was great for me because they crossed this imaginary line where they all went straight for the frog. They just started to get this. Okay. This, this changes the productivity in our life when we actually take the things that are the most difficult thing to do, the thing we would avoid, the thing that we would hope somebody else would take, when we take that and do that first, we find we do everything else much faster, that's what happens your time is getting used wisely Um, one of the things I'm awful thirsty I'm used to the heat (laughs) that um, just with life in general and your time and you know Jesus talks about every idle word that we use, and it's quite scary. What he says, you know, that for every idle word we use, we'll give an account of it. And therefore, with our time and our interaction with one another and people, and he's really saying you got you got to watch what you do with your time when you're standing with other people and speaking. And I think <clears throat> you know one of the simplest changes in the use of time is to change your communication when you're talking to people because. Anything that's worth communicating is always under-communicated, always. Anything that's worth communicating should be communicated well, but we tend not to do that. And when you take God's example, God wrote the Bible, there'll be a big thick Bible somewhere in this room, and and he overcommunicates and everything that he thinks about you. He massively overcommunicates, and he doesn't just go, and there's a sentence about, I, I love you, there you go. I approve of you. There you go. I think your potential is incredible. There you go. The whole book is God overstating everything that He thinks about you, everything that He's recreated you into. He overstates it. He overcommunicates it constantly. So you know, and, and taking God's example as to how do, how does that change you? changes you enormously, you can open it and get so encouraged by going, I feel like this but God you believe this in me, you so believe in me, and, and like James is saying when he's up here, it, it digs you out a hole sometimes, and you don't know how it works it just does, and God over communicates all the good things and under communicates the negative stuff and we kind of reverse that a lot and especially with people close to us, and, and things that should get over communicated are things like affirmation and love, and acceptance, and approval. All the times that people say, you know, in life, further down the line, I wish you told me that sooner. I never knew you thought that. I wish I'd heard that before. I so needed to hear that. I want to try and encourage everybody just to stop and have a think about what they do with their time when they're interacting with one another, because this tends to be the weakest, the people closest to you who need to hear it the most from you, but you tend to communicate it the least to them. So to take your time and to look at your communication around, and, and you know yourself, if you're breathing, you need encouragement. There's nobody doesn't every day want to go away feel I feel great from that. One word, one sentence. And that is worth communicating, and therefore it's worth over-communicating. But you have to be intentional with this, because it doesn't, this busyness that we're talking about and, and the distractions of life and the urgent over here and the urgent over here just talks, wait a minute, I've not got time to talk to you about this. And you go away and you're over here and you're doing this next thing. You miss the simplicity of all of this. The simple things that Jesus talks about that are that are the important things can just get swamped sometimes. Yeah. And, and these are the things that are life transforming. These are the things that, that change people more than a preacher will change people. You know, and bring, bringing a fresh context to a lot of that is really all that I'm trying to do. And, you know, the broader the context we have to anything, the greater we can see the decisions that we make affecting it. And um, the, the, the wider the context, the more purpose there is to things. And, you know, we make so many decisions each day. It's, apparently it's 35,000 decisions a day. And we're doing most of it just by visually getting distracted and not purposeful enough, and not thinking enough. And, and, you know, in context would be like, you know, these wires here are just a trip hazard to me. Right? There's, a, there's a pile of wires there. I don't know what any of them do. If I pull that out, I don't know what happens. I would look at the two ends. I don't know their name. I don't know. It's just, it's just wires. So I could just throw them over there because I don't see any purpose to them. However, you guys would come up and go, well, if I take that and plug it in there and then bring that to there and put it there, that drum makes a noise. These all of a sudden, there's a new context to me for the wires, which I didn't know before. So they've got a different purpose. And when you get, if you could see your time like that with a context like this, your time will take a different purpose. And you're using your time all day. It's not something you need to go and find. You need to go and discover. You're waking up, you've got your time for that day. What do you do with it? What do you place in the dash all day? Because you, Jesus is into effectiveness. He's not into just doing a lot of stuff. He's into effectiveness and the simplicity of this and the simplicity of the language that you can use in relationships with one another is effective it's as effective as anything so that's basically the message and I've made it by 4 minutes which is <laughs> highly unusual for me normally that my alarm goes and I'm like another 20 minutes or something and everybody's numb when they get up they're like oh. so I was so aware of the time thing up here like I need to not go over the time with this <laughs> But I'll I'll just share something else. I won't seem to have got four minutes and and about inviting people to come to Jesus, you know. My my own testimony in a minute was, you know, I was an addict, a bad addict, and I I, had, I was in Nine Wells Hospital and I had ten days to live and I didn't know that, but my wife knew it. And the consultants had stopped to go and that's it, he's finished. Everything's he's dying. But I wasn't aware of any of that. I just knew I was seriously ill. And the consultants came and said, there's nothing we can do for you. We can't medicate this. We can't do that. I can't do any of that. And then they just went away. And and somehow, you know, I, I just wasn't accepting that. something within me. I was in a room full of people that I didn't really know. And I said this. I, I don't even know where it came from. It came out of my mouth. I don't know if it was like I knew there was no plan B for me. and I I said to them I choose to believe that the God from my childhood that's the only thing I've ever known Jesus and he he was good to people that were worse than me and and if he can be good to people like that he could be good to me I'm going to believe that he's going to heal me of this and I'm going to give all my decisions to him because I've messed every decision of my life up I have messed everything up whenever I make a decision it's a disaster people die for cover I was not the most pleasant person at the time, and, and I was not the nicest person to be around. And, and I was obviously dying, and I didn't know. I knew I, I was seriously ill. But that statement that came out of here, I don't even know where it came from. And I said it to these people, and, the, and, and it was a bit longer than that. People started crying in the hospital. You're going, You're so moving us. And I was like, That wasn't my intention. I'm believing this. I don't have any other way of, of getting out of this. If he doesn't heal me and he doesn't make me well, I'm finished. And the next day I was healed. I woke up different and I went, something's happened to me, this is all gone. And the doctors and the people were coming over, and going, what's wrong with you? Going, I feel great. Everything had gone. But my body still took 12 months to recover, all the organs putting themselves back together and all the broken bits of bone and stuff and they were all fixing and that still took a long time. But I didn't even know you could get born again. There was nobody there, there was no church, there was no ministers. And I didn't go to a church after that. But something pulled me to dig out my kids' Bibles and start looking at them. And I saw this bit where he talks to Nicodemus and goes, unless a man gets born again, he can't see the kingdom of God. And I went, that's what happened to me. And I ran through and got a good I said, this is real. All this stuff that you see in the telly is real. And it's supernatural. I said, it's like E.T., I said something magic happens on your inside and you become this other person and all this negative, horrible drain on your life leaves you. And that's and, and that's what occurred to me and I thought and then I just thought, God really does love everybody, regardless of what the, what their past is like and and if he'll do this for me, he'll do it for anybody. And I, you know, I would see scriptures like he's not a respecter of persons. And I just decided then, it was a long time ago, that I'm going to tell everybody about this. And that's all I started to do. I never had an aim to be a pastor or anything. I thought, I'm going to tell everybody. And I started telling everybody. A lot of people obviously laugh at you. But I made it a commitment just to tell everyone that I met. To the best that I could, Jesus is real. And it will transform your life. And your life will never be the same. You're going to go way over to the left when you should go right. And you're going to go back when you should go forward. You're going to go down when you should go up. And all that's okay. Because God straightens you out. And he moves you around and you make such a mess of things and that's all okay. But it's the most incredible life you can ever choose to buy into. And you know, it cost God the Son's life for us to have that. And it's so precious and so amazing that you can never stop thinking about it. And you can never take it for granted what God can do with ordinary people ordinary flawed people that can be transformed and then transform others you know and I I just want to ask I don't know anybody in here maybe you're all saved I don't know if there's anybody in here for the first time or have been coming and have been swaying about giving their life to Christ if there's anybody here could you put your hand up